Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the outstanding Dr. Arif Nazir. He's a president at SHC Medical Partners. Dr. Nazir has established a career in internal medicine and geriatrics. He most recently provided medical leadership for the Optimistic Project, an innovative CMS Innovation Center project to successfully decrease avoidable hospitalizations and improve quality of life of frail, long-stay nursing home residents. This is a key topic that a lot of institutions are looking to improve, and he's headed this initiative in a big way. In 2015, recognizing his services to the state of Indiana, he was awarded the Tony Holman Public Health Award in Gerontology and Geriatrics. He's board certified in a geriatrician and demonstrated experience in leading teams for improving post-acute systems. He was most recently a speaker in our Healthcare Thinkathon conference and inspired the audience to be better leaders as well as practitioners. So it's a great privilege to have you on the podcast here today, Arif. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, the honor is mine. I'm really, really looking forward to our discussion uh, this evening. Thanks, Arif. And, and so, Dr. Nazir, what is it that got you into the medical sector to begin with? Before I get into that, I'm just going to add quickly is that I'm also in the role of a chief medical officer of Signature Healthcare, which is 115 um, nursing homes uh, across 10 states. And the reason I wanted to mention that is because a lot of inspiration for the work I'm doing right now is coming from that. Ah, uh, that's huge detail. Thank you for, for mentioning that. So, and, yeah. and one of the things that was really cool is, is sort of the way that you guys are approaching care at these facilities. I'm excited to share with the listeners some of what you shared during the meeting. So, I'll open up that loop to discuss later. But what is it that got you into the healthcare sector to begin with? Yes. Yeah, so, actually, uh, I'm a foreign to this country for the last uh, 20 years before I moved here. I was living uh, in Pakistan and that's where really I got my early on inspiration to enter the health field. And at the time when I was growing, for you to do well socially and financially, you didn't have many options other than pursuing um, the field of engineering or the field of medicine. And your parents felt obligated that they had to push you uh, towards those uh, two settings. But personally, I, I did get a lot of inspiration from physicians. I remember uh, feeling very inspired and motivated going to my local primary care practitioner who kind of uh, wreaked authority and problem solving. And um, authority and problem solving just were some things which I was very attracted to even at that age and got a lot of inspiration from, from, from just uh, me visiting my primary care practitioner and feeling that, you know, someday I will be also solving some key problems for my patients. And uh, I got very inspired and uh, made it a point that I wanted to pursue the field of medicine. That's wonderful. And you do such a wonderful job of, of just making it a, a human thing. I feel like this, this connection in, in healthcare is something that, that is so important. So I really want to commend you for, for that talent. I think it's important in our practitioners today as it relates to addressing things on a broader scale. Dr. Nazir, what would you say a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you guys at Signature Healthcare addressing it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think for me, the answer is quite obvious to it. Our, over the last 30 years or more, 
our healthcare system has somehow just uh, been a victim of uh, of fee for service structures where uh, kind of physicians were and practitioners in general were under the radar in regards to performance. I remember when I was training in uh, in my uh, residency, and even after that, when I was working as a hospitalist and uh, seeing patients, nobody really asked me as a physician, why, why are you seeing this patient every day? What was the value and the benefit you brought to this patient from your visit? Why did you put a note today on this patient? What was so different about your note today than yesterday? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that what value physicians bring to the healthcare system needs to be documented clearly. And we need to challenge us ourselves, the physician community and the practitioner community, to prove that value. And because, and that a reason I say that is because, you know, we do bring a lot of value. And uh, what I'm worried is that we just do not have good ways of measuring uh, the value. And as a physician leader, I feel a lot of pressure myself that I need to create structures for my own organization so that I can create a great story for some of my superstar physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs who are providing care and even nurses that I should be able to capture that clearly. So I think we all are kind of in this transition from fee-for-service to value-based are dealing with some of the metrics which the healthcare system or CMS is setting up for us. But I think we need to go above and beyond as individual organizations because we need more strategies to really, really understand what physician practitioner and NP nurse value is in the healthcare system. So I think understanding value and number two thing, which we have to be on top of is how our healthcare teams are doing in the front line. Because again, exposed to all the changes in healthcare, they are feeling pressure and they are burning out and uh, they're not having as much as fun. So we really have to pay attention how they're doing in the front line and make their role as fun as it used to be for me when I was training many, many years ago. So insightful. And, uh, you know, rather than respond to the wave, be the wave. And I think right. one of the, you know, the, uh, like the thing that you're doing that strikes me as really insightful is, is hey, you know what? Value-based care is coming. It's here to stay. Why not work on communicating how you're adding value today? That's brilliant. I love that you're doing that. And, and so I'd love to dive deeper can you give us an example of how your organization has created results by doing and thinking differently because you do it so well? Yeah, so I will give you just quickly two different perspectives on that. Sure. Most important for me is how patients are doing and getting impacted. So Signature Healthcare and, and, and SSC Medical Partner, we are uh, absolutely uh, taking the bull by the horn when it comes to innovation and coming up with new ideas to care. And just, just to give you an example, at Signature Healthcare, we are the largest organization in the country, a post-acute organization in the country, where our facilities are Eden Alternative certified. And which basically means that we believe in the new way of providing care to our residents so that it's not an institution care, mm-hmm. but it's really a home-like or home-styled care that they're getting. And uh, also, for example, we are the only organization who believes in doing uh, yearly senior Olymp- Olympics. So huh. all of our residents get the that opportunity cool. to, to select their own theme song, their uh, uniforms, and come cheering in the field to really participate in events to win medals and really, really compete and show talent, even though if they are living in a nursing home. And, you know, n- nobody could have imagined doing any kind of thing that way because, of course, there's risks. You know, the residents would fall. And if you talk to an attorney, you know, like people like, no, you can't do this and you can't do that. And I think we have taken a lot of pride in doing things differently, challenging the status quo. And I'm telling you that we have seen the benefit of it in terms of resident and patient engagement and quality of life around. We actually are involved in a very cool 
project with, with an organization called Time Slips. Mm-hmm. Time Slips is actually a company which is founded by uh, MacArthur Awardee, Dr. Ann Bastings, where we are working with their team of professional artists to bring theater to the residents in our nursing homes as actors so they can participate in acting uh, for some of their famous plays. For example, currently 11 of our Kentucky nursing homes are working on uh, Peter Pan uh, as a play. And they will be, dis- <laughs> they will be, they will <laughs> be showing their talents around you know, performing in that. So God. we are seeing significant benefits of those approaches in terms of quality of life and we're collecting data and we'll soon be publishing that. So that's just one example from the resident side. And from the physician side and practitioner side, we are working on a whole process of uh, setting expectations and providing impact to dashboards to our practitioners and physicians so that they understand what their value is. So, and it motivates them to be better in what they do and also really understand what the value they bring in regards to day-to-day care. Man, that's so inspiring and love that that they're working on not only Olympic opportunities, but also working on these plays and the arts, you know, just keeping them alive, keeping them going. A lot of organizations stop at that, no, you can't do this from legal. What is your advice to a leader trying to make an impact and sort of that's facing these these no answers from the typical responses from legal teams, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a cultural thing, right? I mean, our our CEO has made it clear that we are going to be an organization that talks about how it can be done rather than why it cannot be done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of come up with billion answers why something cannot be done. And one way I will tell you that we have, we, we excel really well is that if we run into a block where we say, oh my God, we how can we do this? How can we do this? We really, really put a stock in our, in, in, to our residents and our families. And I'll tell you that some of the neatest ideas that we implement really come from the residents and their families themselves. So whenever you're stuck in a problem like this, it's always good to go to a resident council or a family council and say, hey, we're really trying to do this. How would you feel about this? Would you become an advocate for us in regards to doing that? And that way, you know, you can solve a lot of problems in a very, very outside the box uh, way. Outstanding. What a great, great piece of advice there. Obviously, you guys have created something beautiful, something that's working well. You're starting to pull the data out of it to create the research to back it up. Can you give an example to the listeners of maybe a setback, something that happened while you were putting this together that you learned from that maybe could help them? Well, you know, thinking about in my current role, I don't know if I can give you a stark example where I failed, but I mean, believe me, there have been many instances where I failed. And I think the biggest shock that came to me in regard to me being a practitioner and a physician Mm -hmm. was how blind I was in regards to how different the perspective of a patient and the family is about the care I provide. So, you know, I, like many other physicians who were trained in the 1990s, early 2000s, am a product of of a very physician and a healthcare-centric system. And uh, I was really trained to be that it was all about me, you know, what physician sees in regards to disease and what are the best outcomes in the perspective of the physician that he or she should be working towards improving. But it was not really like uh, one day, and I shared this story a few days ago at the meeting also, was that when I went in to see a patient whose son was absolutely livid on the care uh, the, their father received and kind of uh, told me that I don't care about your five-star rating of your facility, but let me tell you, from my perspective, the care you provide is worse than my local restaurant. Hmm. And, you know, initially I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me, but it took me a few days to kind of get what he was telling me is that patients have a very different 
perspective on what care is based on their own needs. And if the customer is not getting satisfied, that's it. You know, you cannot defend it by saying, oh, no, the physician thinks that this is good for you and your blood pressure is way more important. Really, it's not about the blood pressure. It's not about heart failure. It's about how they feel in a healthcare system and the delivery of the healthcare. Is it meeting their needs or not, which is way more important. And that's where I realized that how wrong I was, that it's not the outcomes that are really important to me, which are going to define the quality of care. I really have to have an ongoing sensor, ongoing communication with my patient and the family, how they are feeling. And let me tell you that a few days after this event happened a few years ago, I kind of realized that there was a big patient acknowledgement board where patients would leave letters and uh, cards for their thanks uh, to the staff. And I realized that on the big board where we have dozens and dozens of great cards and thank you notes from patients, there was not even once I was mentioned. <laughs> so they yeah. did not, you know, they didn't even think about the blood pressure medicines I gave them. They didn't really care about the heart failure I treated. But you know who was mentioned on that board? It was the frontline healthcare team, the CNAs, the LPNs, the, you know, the dietary person, the housekeeping person who had given them what they really needed, who had given them a hug and all those things and kind of really, really validated that. You know, we have to see health outcomes from our patients who are really our true customers and kind of we have to have an idea on how health outcomes are from how we see them, but really the big focus needs to be on how we are making the patient feel as a person. So I think I was really, really wrong in how I was approaching healthcare until five, six years ago when I had an epiphany that I really have to be an advocate for person-centered care. And I think that really kind of started a new phase for me as a physician leader. Yeah, that's so so inspiring. And folks, when we were at the healthcare meeting, um, he and his team put together a video to demonstrate this point. And I took it home. I, I felt like that was such an effective way of doing it. But it was basically what a restaurant would look like if it was being served as a typical healthcare system would take care of their patients and uh, is, is definitely eye-opening. And you continue to do great things like this. And this point, I think, will, will go a long way. And so tell us a little bit about a proud experience that you've had? You know, you went to that learning. How about a proud experience that you've had to date? Yeah, I mean, when I was uh, practicing as a full-time clinician, I mean, I still have a few patients, but when I was practicing as a full-time geriatrician, I would say that one thing which was really cool about my job uh, was that I was having many, many proud moments in any given day. Mm -hmm. As a geriatrician, you really, really focus on a holistic patient care aspect. And some of the simplest things make you a hero in front of the family. And uh, let me give you an example. Yeah. You know, it was a quite a simple, proud moment for me when I would sit down with the family and spend just 10 minutes without an, any agenda and just to listen to them and their frustration with the healthcare system and then address simple things as, why are you taking this medication? Let's discontinue this medicine. And the smile that you would see among the family members and the patients because they were like sick and tired of not understanding why they're taking all these extra medications, why they had extra tests in the hospital. And just sitting down and having the ability to listen to a patient for a few minutes and their family and understand their frustrations really made them feel so much more satisfied. And there was nothing more proud to be able to do that. So I think nothing beats that kind of a proud feeling. But, you know, as a physician leader, I'm very proud to be a chief medical officer of a very, very innovative, very progressive healthcare organization, Signature Healthcare, where I am working with the, with the C-suite in, in, in every given day of creating some innovative person-centered care models, uh, which are really needed for the future, future healthcare system. 
Yeah, no doubt. You're doing some amazing things. And yeah, it's that listening. It's that it's what can you do to listen, to connect? So take these notes from Dr. Nazir and think about how you can uh, really fit them into the things that you're doing day to day. Arif, tell us about an exciting project that you're working on. So, uh, you know, physician engagement is uh, something which I'm really interested in, particularly around the medical director engagement. You know, I'm a leader in post-acute long-term care side of healthcare, and uh, we have uh, almost 16,000 skilled nursing facilities in the country, and every single facility is required to have a medical director. But here's an interesting thing, Mm -hmm. that we have, as a healthcare system, no idea what these medical directors are doing on a given to a given day in those facilities. We have no clue. We, as a result, we are not able to nudge them to do the things that will improve care. So we really have no control or understanding what is going on in regards to the physician leader's performance in these facilities. And I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of uh, physician and medical leaders who are quite frustrated sometimes because they have no real mandate to mm-hmm. them is what they should be doing. So that's an issue which I think leads to a lot of dissatisfaction among our uh, physicians in the post long-term care side. And I've been very passionate about this issue and uh, wanted to solve this. So over the last two years, I've been working on a digital application or a program to enhance medical director and physician engagement in skill nursing facilities. And the good news is that we have uh, finally completed our pilot. And now this application called Care Ascend is available and is being implemented in dozens of nursing homes to really guide uh, medical directors and physicians what they should be doing as a part of the healthcare team and to be able to report in a live fashion what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, provide them outcomes of their facilities and nudge them to be better at what they what they do. So that that project has taken off well and I'm really excited because I think it's a disruptive innovation which will change how physicians and physician leaders uh, perform in their skilled nursing facilities. Man, that is so great. And, you know, it's wonderful that you put this together. Is CareSend something that is only available to signature healthcare, or is this something that can be used more broadly? Well, the exciting news is that uh, we already have external uh, customers, even though uh, signature is one of the stakeholders in it, but Signature being one of the most innovative organizations in post-secure long-term care would never have the intention to really restrict the use of any innovative technology to themselves. So, you know, we have a couple of other healthcare systems that are implementing the program, the physician engagement program at this point as we speak. And the other exciting thing is that the Society of Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine is also uh, supporting uh, this approach and is also a partner in this approach. That is wonderful. That is so great. And and so folks, if you want to check out some more about Care Ascend or any of the work that Dr. Nazir is up to, just go to outcomesrocket.health slash signature, as in signature healthcare, and you'll find all of the show notes there along with links to the resources that have been discussed here. This is a ton of fun. We're getting close to the end here, RF. So what we'll do is we're going to build a medical leadership course, a syllabus on what it takes to be successful in healthcare, in value-based healthcare. So this is the ABCs of Dr. Arif Nazir. We got four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? This is exciting. I'm ready. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? We have to empower our team as to be a better team, and we need to know what value they bring to the table and what is resulting in negative hygiene and burnout. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? 
I really would like to quote Tim Cook here. He's the CEO of Apple. Yes. That he says that my fear is not that machines will start thinking about humans. My fear is that humans will start thinking like machines. Hmm. And I think we really need to understand where technology is really suited and needed. And we cannot trust technology everywhere without understanding how the team is doing what they need to do and then adding technology on top of that. Wow, that's insightful. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? You have to spend 30% of your time thinking about the future and investing your time and resources in building ideas, products that will keep you relevant for the future. There's just no other way around it. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Person-centered outcomes. We want to be the best from person and patient perspective and everything else is secondary. Love that. What book would you recommend to the listeners as part of the syllabus, RF? Well, until now, I have had a favorite book. It's called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us from Daniel Pink. Yes. Uh, which totally changed my mind and my attitudes towards behavior change. So I highly recommend that. And the one which I'm becoming a huge fan of as I'm reading it is from Yuval Hariri. It's a book called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Love that. Two great recommendations, a syllabus, all available to you at outcomesrocket.health slash signature. Arif, this has been a ton of fun. I uh, really have enjoyed our, our time together. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with our listeners and then the best place where they could engage with you or reach out. Well, my closing thought would be that we just need to challenge all the status quo. And uh, we just need to make sure that we all understand why we do what we do. Time, life is short, time is limited, and, and we should not be investing our energies in any initiative until we really believe that it's going to lead to some gain in the mission you are living for. So be very thoughtful in that and uh, do a reflection more often frequently, you know, uh, very frequently on that aspect. And in regards to how to get hold of me, it is very easy. It's my email, uh, which I'm sure will be available. I answer almost of my almost all my emails within a day or two, so it's very easy to get hold of me. Outstanding. I'm always inspired when we when we talk, Dr. Nazir. So keep doing your amazing work and just don't stop inspiring others to follow your steps. Uh, again, just want to say thank you for spending time with us. It's been a lot of fun. Well, the pleasure has been mine. This has been really, really exciting. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.